I'll be reading uh, Psalm 98, 1 through 3. Psalm 98, 1 through 3. Sing the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Good morning. We are in our series called uh, One Anothering. If you're a guest with us today, we're glad you're here. I encourage you to turn to the back of your bulletin if you picked one up on the way in, and you can kind of follow along. I'm going to begin with a story you may have heard before about a father at a grocery store had a three-year-old who was just having a come apart. I think every parent has had that moment where you're in a public place and the child is just inconsolable. And so the father is making his way through and this, this little one is just not, not happy. As he waited, made his way through the store, he says, I'm just going to get what i got to get and get out of here. Everybody was hearing the father talk. He was saying things like, calm down, Billy, we can do this. He would say things like, just a little longer, Billy. We'll go home soon, Billy, and then we'll get to see Mom, Billy. All the way through the store. Finally, he was making his way up to check out, and uh, a lady came up to him and said, Look, I just appreciate what you're going through, and I just want to commend you for how patient you're being with little Billy. And the man said, My son's name is John. I'm Billy. <laughs> In our series about anothering, no matter how much you love one another, there's going to be time in the relationship where you have to love higher, love harder. Anothering is a call by Jesus to love above the norm. I mentioned this before, but I want to review this just to kind of, kind of put it in perspective. You know, I think the whole world knows the golden rule, even though they don't know where it came from. You know, Jesus told us to do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. But his disciples, he gave what some call the platinum rule to love other people the way he loved. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And as a disciple, we never really get above this. We never really move beyond this. This is what it means to be a disciple. This is discipleship 101. So the question is, are you becoming a better anotherer? How are you doing with all of this? Because I think in no other area should we be more on guard against complacency than this very thing and just take it for granted and think, oh, got that one. Check the box. Let's move on to the next one. We talked about this last week. Don't be one of those people who tries to separate loving from obedience. It's so easy to look at Scriptures and just get a checklist and do this and do this. Check, check, check. And think that love is something we can just check. But the reality is, if you're not loving... You're not obeying. Loving God, loving people. And because of that, we need to be on guard against complacency in this area. And not just us, it started with the first century church. Paul would write about this to the, the Christians in Thessalonica. I put this on the top of your outline, it's also on the screen. First Thessalonians 4, look at verse 9 and 10. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. So this anothering, we're always trying to love above our last attempt at anothering. 
Or to put it another way, and here's the first blank, never settle for a static love level. Never settle for a static love level. Remember, nobody should do love one another better than Jesus' followers. Others may be able to do it, but we should exceed them because we learn from the greatest one. And no one really should be able to teach us about that unless it's coming from Scripture. Look there again in verse 9 from the New Living Translation. It renders like this, but we do not need to write to you about the importance of loving each other for God Himself has taught you to love one another. How did God teach us? How did God teach us? Well, first, He taught us by becoming flesh. God personified love by Jesus in the flesh. When you're in a tough situation and you wonder what your next step needs to be, you ask the question, what would love require of us? Or another way that maybe we're more familiar with, what would Jesus do? God taught us how to love by becoming love in the flesh. And then secondly, God taught us by His Spirit coming to indwell us. And to fill us with His love. We talked about this last week. God is love. And through Christ, we become, we don't think about this much, but partakers of His divine nature. That's what Scripture teaches us. So when the flesh tells us to strike back, to get even, when somebody says something smart to you, you want to give it right back to them. But the Spirit teaches us, now turn the other cheek. You go the second mile. Love keeps no record of wrong. So when the flesh is met with cursing, you don't give it back to them. The Spirit reminds us not to lash back, but to respond with blessing. Because we become partakers of the higher nature. Look at 2 Peter 1 verse 4. It says, become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. What does that mean? What is he saying there? God's very Spirit is living in you. So then you have the capacity to excel in this thing that he's talking about. There's another more than those without it. And this capacity needs to be coupled with a great priority. To realize this is who God is calling us to be. This is how we're supposed to live. And we intend to grow in this area. We don't just go through life and assume it's going to happen to us. We take this anothering seriously. The Holy Spirit will fill you with His love, but He will not coerce you. Remember we talked about this, to love you more than you're willing to. You've got to be willing to love because He's not going to push you more than you want to go. So Paul warns, don't grow stagnant in this anothering. You love above. Look there in verse 10. You love, you do love all the brothers, yet we urge you to do so more and more. The message paraphrases it like this. Just love one another. You're already good at it. Keep it up. Get better and better at it. This is one of the reasons we gather, that we come together to love above where we've been loving, to guard against this going static. Hebrews 10.25 is a verse that we're probably familiar with. Not forsaking the assembly. You remember that passage? But do you know the context of that passage? The verse before, Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So good and others are intentional, not accidental. And it starts with God. Philip Yancey wrote in his book, Disappointment with God, a touching story about his own life. 
His father died when Philip was a year old. And one time he was visiting with his mother. Of course, she'd been widowed for many, many years at this point. And they were just enjoying the visit, and they were looking through a box of old photos. And there was one photo of him, a baby. It was tattered. It looked like the kind of photo that you would throw away if you've got others that are just as, you know, a good photo, but in better condition. But she kept this photo. So he asked her why. Yancey writes, My mother explained to me that she had kept the photo as memento because during my father's illness, it had been fastened to his iron lung. During the last four months of his life, Yancey's father lay on his back, completely paralyzed by polio at age 24. His young husband, young father of two, encased from the neck down this huge cylindrical breathing unit. That's what was keeping him alive. With his two young sons banned from the hospital due to the severity of the illness, he wasn't allowed to see them. His own children because he wasn't able to move his head even. This photo, and that of his brother, was attached between the metal knobs. The last four months of his life, this is what that young man looked at. Yancey writes this, I've often thought about that crumpled photo, for it is one of the few links connecting me to the stranger Who was my father? Someone I have no memory of? No sensory knowledge of? Spent all day, every day, thinking of me. Devoting himself to me. Loving me. And then he goes on. The very same emotions when I first believed in a God of love. Someone is there, I realized. Someone is there who loves me. It was a starting, startling feeling of wild hope, a feeling so new and overwhelming, seemed fully worth risking my life on. A God you may not even know is fixated on you. He loves you like that. Good, en- good anotherers are intentional. Or what are some concrete ways we can do this? I'm going to give us some, something to wrap our, our heads around. And really, if you just read through the book of 1 Thessalonians, you get several suggestions. But I want to get four. If you're filling the blanks there, first is this. Lift the hearts of the hurting. You lift the hearts of the hurting. You may recall Paul is writing to a group of Christians who are going through a time where they're wondering what is true and what is right. And what they're really struggling about is they thought Jesus was, His second coming was imminent. And now several people who are close to them have passed on. And what they wonder is, what does that mean? This life after death, where do they go? What happens? Because we thought Jesus was coming back like like now, like before we would die, and, and He hadn't yet come. So they were confused about all of this. Again, by the way, I think our summer Wednesday night series is going to help us to dig into some of that. But these Thessalonians were so consumed that Paul writes and addresses some of these questions. And to answer their concerns, I want to encourage you to go back and just, just read this epistle. It's not long. But what Paul does to answer their concerns, he reminds them 
of the gospel. That's where he goes. That's what he says. Jesus died for our sins. God raised him from the dead. And because of that, we know the future. When Jesus comes back, we sang it in one of our songs this morning, there'll be a loud command, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God. And at that moment, the dead in Christ rise first. We will meet Jesus in the air. It's going to be a fantastic moment. It's going to be incredible. Verse 17 says, And so we will be with the Lord forever. What I want you to notice, the church never... The church never, never, never gets beyond needing to just focus on the basics of the good news, of the gospel. We need it in the good times, we need it in the bad times. Remember what's most important. And look on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Then he says this, Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. When people are overcome with sorrow and despair, you take the good news to them. You remind them of what's really important. You let that be an opportunity to say, this is what it's all about. Don't be like the world and just give them empty platitudes. It's so easy just to throw these sayings out there that mean it's going to be alright. Or these that mean nothing. That have no weight. We have more to offer. We can love them. By sharing with them the good news. As Paul says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Love rejoices with those who rejoice. But love above weeps with those who weep. You can go to the hospital. Maybe check it on some folks that you know and love. You've got two different folks in the hospital. One is a young couple just giving birth to a baby that's healthy. Good news up a few floors, down another hall, is an older couple, just received the news that one of them is terminally ill. Question. Which visit is harder to make? Which one? No contest, is it? Let me ask you this. As far as the church goes, our congregation, if we were to say, you know, what are you known for? What, what would be said of you? Just said your name and say, hey, what about them? What would be the reply? See, lightweight loving says this, oh, I know him. I know her. They sit on the third row from this section. That's lightweight loving. But love above says this, I know him. I know her. And then they're going to tell you some story but how you were loved by them. We worked together on this service project, and boy, I learned a lot about them. She taught my child in Bible class. I remember him because he was there when I buried my... And the story just comes out. That's love above. See, lightweight loving will always avoid situations where pain and grief can only be lessened by sharing another's love in the heavyweight division. With God's help, they lessen the burden I thought about Betty Bender as I was writing through this and thinking about who exemplifies this to me. And I just I think of Betty Bender. Because all of us could share a story of how we've been loved by Betty Bender. You may know Betty is having some difficult times. In fact, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now. Very low point. Very low point. Not doing well at all. In fact, she told someone that well, they thought it might be the end. 
And she said this. She goes, I think I'm dying. But I don't know. I've never died before. Doesn't that sound just like her? That's Betty. I came back to the office and I was sharing with Barry and, and I was sad. Because I thought, Betty, her days are numbered and this might be it. And then Barry said, Randy, let her go. Let her go. And I thought, that is it. She's ready to go like no one I've ever known. She's so ready to go. So we hang on to this here and now. And we're living for something bigger, something better. And even in those moments of despair and discouragement, we can lift the hearts of those who are hurting. Well, number two, overwhelm your leaders with honor. Overwhelm your leaders with honor. I think an important principle in anothering is that authority is to be affirmed. I think this is true in every area. Authority is to be affirmed in the workplace. Even if you dislike your boss. Even if they're unethical. Even if, if they're immoral, you still respect them because of the position. I think the same is with government. You may disagree with their policies. You may not have voted her into office, but you still need to be respectful of the position. The same is true for home. And of course, the same is true in the church. Peter said later in the same book, look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13. This is from the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work, and live peacefully with each other. I believe when we do this, it just creates a, a culture of peace. When we have a church that there's tension and division, I would say there's a lack of honor that kind of goes hand in hand with that. And notice that Paul describes that leadership as a work. I think that's kind of interesting there. And I think it's true that, that, that most of us as members don't realize how much work it is. And here's a fact. Leaders cannot do their best for us if all they ever receive from us is our worst. Isn't that true? Abraham Lincoln, like all presidents, was a very busy man. And everybody wanted to come see him. Everybody wanted him to do something for them. And so his calendar was incredibly busy. One day there was a lady, an elderly woman, with no official business, no appointment, came to see the president and asked permission. And amazingly, he allowed her to come in. As she entered Lincoln's office, he rose to greet her and said, what may I do for you? And she replied that she had not come to ask a favor. She had heard that Lincoln liked a certain kind of cookie. She said, I'm a good cook, so I made you some cookies. It is said that Lincoln, with tears in his eyes, said this, you are the very first person who's ever come into my office asking not expecting not, but rather bringing me a gift. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know you love and honor your leaders. But here's something for you to think about. Honor isn't really honor until it's tangibly given. So the question is, maybe a takeaway, what could you do? What could you do to love your leaders above the norm? 
And I can tell you why their work is hard at times. Look at the next verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, tender care, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. So here's the third way to love above, and that is we value difficult people. We value difficult people. We can't talk about loving others without talking about this, and that's why we keep talking about this. Have you noticed that some people are harder to love than others? Don't look at anybody right now. Have you noticed that? If you've never noticed that, it might be you. It's true though, isn't it? A minister moved to a new church. He was kind of uh, not sure what his first sermon should be, and he thought that it would be good if he had a little time in his lesson for the children. So he started off by having all the little children come up on the stage with him. And this was a, a beautiful church, and it had stained glass uh, windows, that, and each one had a, depicted a scene from some you know, great story in Scripture. You've seen churches like that, and they're, and they're beautiful. And so he was calling the, the children's attentions to all the, the windows and the individual panes, and, and he was describing how each one tells a story, but even that window has all the individual little panels that make up the big story. And then he said this, it takes many panels of glass to make the picture tell the story. And that's true in the church. So he t- said to the children, I understand that each of you are little pains. You're a little pain, and you're a little pain, and you're a little pain. Everybody started laughing. He didn't know what he'd said. But it's true. Every church has some little pains. And some of them aren't so little. In fact, one of the surest signs the church is preaching the true gospel. Get this. It attracts those who need that extra grace. They don't have their act together. They're not always right. They're not always perfect. But the gospel is so attractive to that. So don't run from a church like that. Instead, welcome the opportunity of God giving you a chance to love somebody who's never been loved by God. They don't understand God. They don't understand forgiveness. They don't understand second chances. They don't understand. Let God fill you with His love so that you can love them. And keep in mind, God did not find any of us easy to love. Romans 5.8 God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. To love as Jesus loves is to love above the idiosyncrasies. To love as Jesus loves is to love above the irritations. To love as Jesus loves is even to love above our wounds. Because fourth, if you're going to love above, you have to express kindness when you're wronged. Express kindness where you're wrong. This is where it gets hard. No other way distinguishes another love of Jesus more than this. The neighbor's dog was barking as this couple was trying to go to sleep. They tried to tune it out. They tried to not think about it. Non-stop barking. Non-stop barking. Blood pressure is just going up finally. The man just throws the covers back. Marches downstairs. The wife hears the door slam. A few minutes later, the dog is still barking, but the man comes back inside, gets into bed. She said, what did you do? She said, I got that dog. I put him in our backyard. And now we'll see how much they like it. 
That's how absurd it is to act in the flesh. That silly story to me, it just says, we're just hurting ourselves. Listen to this verse from Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everybody else. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Nobody. But always try to be kind to each other and everybody else. See, nothing requires heavyweight loving more than the way we respond to hostile people. And nothing so impacts the world more than an illustration of good conquering evil. That's why we love movies like that. We love stories like that. It's universal. Wade Boggs is a Hall of Fame baseball player. Began his career with the Boston Red Sox. But he hated Yankee Stadium. Not because of the team. Not because of the fans. But because of one fan. Just one fan. It's hard to imagine how one fan could so get under his skin, but he did. He would yell. He was close to the, the, the field. He would yell all kinds of absurdities and obscenities and all kinds of insults directly at Boggs. One day as Boggs was warming up, the fans started his routine. He knew it was coming, and sure enough, it started. Boggs, you stink. I paraphrase that. All kinds of things. At this point, Boggs had had enough. He went over to the stands and he, he, he spoke up and he said, are you the one that's been giving me so much grief, yelling at me? He said, yeah, it's me. What are you going to do about it? Boggs took out a new baseball, autographed it, tossed it to the man, and went back and continued his pre-game warm-up. The man never yelled at Boggs again. Like the story goes, he became one of Wade's biggest fans at Yankee Stadium. Somewhere in your past, somewhere in your past, someone has hurt you. It's going to be real easy to push the off button on love. Let it go stack, static. Every time you think of them, you think of that hurt. It reminds you. That requires heavyweight loving. Who's going to love those difficult people? Who's going to love those irritating people? Who's going to love those people who don't deserve it? Who's going to love those people who don't ask for forgiveness? Who's going to be the one? See, I don't think we can love like that until God is in us and working through us. Love your enemies, Jesus told us. It might change them. It will definitely change us. Is there someone in your past who's caused your present love to grow static? See, love above just keeps raising the bar, doesn't it? One last blank. I'm almost out of time. Always remember that above love never runs out. Always remember that above love never runs out. Well, how do you do that? Well, first, you have to accept God's unconditional love for you. 
That's where it begins. To know that you are loved, that's how you can love, because you've been loved. Jesus died for you. It all starts there. And then secondly, you go to the only source of unlimited love. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Isn't that great? May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people. This is not just for Christians, not just for disciples, not just for followers, and for all people. Grow and overflow. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as His disciple, you have the capacity to love above. But you have to be willing. And God will help you with your new nature to grow into that. Jesus said this, that's how they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. This morning we want to sing a song to encourage you to accept forgiveness, to accept the love of God. That's why Jesus came, to show it what it looks like so that we could see that all of our sins, as dark as they are, can be washed away in the blood of Jesus. If you're ready to confess Jesus as Lord and answer His call to baptism, we always have the water ready. But if love of such your heart, if this whole one anothering is a challenge, if we can pray for you to let God help you love, we want to be your family. We want to be that kind of family. We want to be His family. The song of invitation is for you. Won't you come as we stand and sing?